Welcome to Two Brothers Talking. I'm Israel. And I'm Eli. Today joining us is a leader in her own right, Tiffany Ellington. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you. Super glad to be here. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Absolutely. I grew up on a farm in Indiana, actually. So we raised sheep, uh, pigs, horses, and then I showed sheep, cattle, goats. And it was it was very different than here in Phoenix. I moved here in high school and have been here ever since. So definitely a different atmosphere. I've seen a lot of different cultures growing up, really. You don't think of Midwest to the Southwest being a different culture, but it really was. And yes, definitely a big learning experience. Can you talk to us about some of maybe those defining moments that uh, you came across that kind of helped you develop into the young leader you are? Whenever I'm talking to someone for pretty much any period of time, I end up talking about something related to the farm. Um, at lunch, I was showing a bunch of my coworkers photos of my baby animals from back <laughs> in Indiana. So if you talk to me, you'll probably hear about the farm, but that's also where a lot of my lessons and defining moments came from. Uh, being on a farm, you are exposed to a lot and being responsible for animals teaches you a lot. Um, and with those, that lessons it takes in the work ethic and the responsibility that I learned, uh, when I was nine years old, I started going out to the sheep barn during the lambing season at 3am every night to check on the sheep. Um, I went out alone with my dog shadow and we would go check to make sure that there were no new lambs being born or to, to make sure the current lambs were nursing and were healthy. And, you know, just doing that, make, I set my alarm, I got myself up. I did let my parents know I was going outside and that I got back safely. But that process of learning at nine years old is something that definitely carries over and affects me today. I had a family member who lived up in Idaho uh, and you never realize how little, how the little things of wisdom that you gather over a life spent working hard and being disciplined until it comes to you know, a little piece of fruit can hand someone else like, Hey, this is a lesson I learned. Uh, and it's important to have those kind of people in your life. So is there anyone in your life that, that kind of influenced you towards the direction you took or influenced you kind of like, you know, what? I want to be like that person, or I want to have that characteristic at work in my life. I've been really blessed to have a lot of, of different people in my life who have impacted me in, in numerous ways. One of the first people that come to mind though, was the the county fair queen when I was seven years old. Her name was Jessica Bell, now Jessica McClamrock. And she was 16. So she really wasn't that old. But to my seven-year-old self, she was like the most amazing. Like she was such like a big kid, but she treated me so special. And I just wanted to be like her because she made me feel really important, but also really cared for. And I got to try on her crown and everything like that, but we actually stayed in touch. So, I mean, we, she was my sponsor of mine when I was like 16. And then even now we don't live in the same state anymore. And she has two adorable sons and she's married, but like, she'll text me sometimes, like, how are you doing? And check in on things. And at the time, you know, I just wanted to be like her. Yeah. But as I got older, I realized that I wanted to be like her. Yes, but I wanted to do that for other little girls. So she's one of the biggest impacts that I've had on my life, um, especially because that really propelled me to where I am in today in the Miss America organization, which I know we'll talk more about later. 
we were going to ask because you know our conversations with with Gabby and with you know Jacqueline, they they chose the Miss America organization because of the the great leadership that not only the organization has in place but the opportunities uh, for future leadership paths. So, what was your reason for choosing your partnership with the Miss America organization? One of the big reasons was that drive from Jessica back in 07. Uh, but there was more to it than just that, because if, if you know anything about pageants, you start to realize that there's a lot of different systems or what we call it. Cause Miss universe, isn't the same thing as Miss America. And it's, it's a bunch of jargon on the surface, but there's a lot more to it underneath. And the Miss America system specifically really mattered to me for a few reasons. Number one, the, the type of girls in this, this organization, and that's not like, you know, that's not on their social media graphic, like the type of people, that's why you should be here. But it is in the very first competition I ever did. I, I really didn't know if I would like it. I knew it had always been a dream, always been a goal, but I was like, I will never know unless I try. And I didn't win that one, but I knew that I wanted to be there because the girls I was around we're so smart, but it's, it's not even that they're like, oh, they're really great at taking tests because that, that doesn't have as nearly as much impact in your life long-term, but these were the people who were driven, who were intelligent and who cared about other people. And that made me go, yes, I'm definitely in the right place. And then the other piece of this is the social impact initiative that the Miss America organization has, which means every single girl in this organization has an a cause that they really care about and the power in that just knowing that there's one Miss America, 50 state Queens, and then way more than that local title holders, all making a difference in an area that they are equipped to make a difference in. And that that's unlike any other pageant system, Miss America system. And because of that, I knew I liked that the people the opportunities and also the legacy. We're in our hundredth year um, of Miss America. And wow. that, that legacy is unduplicatable because there is literally only one that has been around for a hundred years and that's Miss America. Yeah, that sounds like a great culture too. Yeah. Great culture. And we talk about that a lot is, is team culture, leadership culture. And it sounds like Miss America has put a lot of effort into building a strong culture, a healthy culture what would you recommend to maybe a young girl who's looking to step into uh, a leadership path or leadership development? Would Miss America organization be a great opportunity or a great organization for her to partner with? I absolutely think it would. And there's a lot of different ways that that manifests itself or comes out in leadership opportunities. And one of the coolest things and the first things is that it can fit the girl with where she is at right then. So sometimes she needs to be able to speak on stage for the first time. And that's been a really big barrier for her to maybe speak in front of a scholarship board or whatever it is. That barrier is sometimes what needs broken. Um, but then for me, I, I was in competitive speech and debate in high school and I did theater <laughs> back in Indiana. So talking was, was never my problem. But there were other things that I didn't even know that I hadn't learned yet, because once you have a title, you're put in either professional situations or networking positions. I attended a women in business 
um, luncheon with the women in business in Ahwatukee group as Miss Ahwatukee. And just having that networking experience has direct relation to being able to perform my job well, which goes back to leadership. And then the other piece of leadership, and this is, this is like three areas, but really the impacts of how you can become a leader is huge and way more than these three, but is mentorship. And mentorship is super important to me going back again to why I entered this in the first place with Jessica. And that's also what being a leader is. What does that look like to mentor the girls younger than you? But what does it mean to be a leader amongst your peers? Sometimes that means being aware of the situation. Sometimes that means standing up for people. Sometimes that means including people. And all of those skills go into leadership. And it really is amazing how it can take wherever you are at and help you grow from there. I think that one of the things that is inspiring about leadership is it doesn't necessarily need to translate into a specific title. It doesn't necessarily need to, you know, translate into, oh, you make this amount of money. It's about the behaviors Mm -hmm. that you carry. It's about the impact that you made. And you, you read a book, Olivia's Little Lamb. And when I read that, the impact that it made on me was huge. I have a young daughter and we're looking to raise her with principles and, and values. And just reading that really spoke to those values. Could you talk a little bit about what inspired Olivia's Little Lamb and kind of the ideals behind that? Absolutely. Olivia's Lamb was a book that was actually one of the most nerve wracking things I've ever done. Um, honestly, like if I had fallen on stage at Miss Arizona, I would have gotten up and laughed it off. It, it wouldn't have been like, oh my goodness, how, how did that happen? I'm so embarrassed. But that was nerve wracking because it really felt like I was putting myself out there for a, for a lot of reasons. One of those reasons being I, I've wanted to be an author since I was six and um, I never had pursued it. So I decided if not now, when? And I wanted to go for that, but there's always that concern of this dream for years. What if, what if people tell me I wasn't a good author kind of thing, but the, the message specifically, I wanted to start with a children's book. I really like kind of in my own time, writing maybe chapter books or seeing how that kind of comes out and developing stories in my head. But what I really wanted to publish was a children's book because of how important children literacy is to me. And with that came, what message did I want to share? I I didn't just want to put a book out with pretty colors, pretty pictures. And that was it. Like I wanted to really think about what, what lessons, what message did I want to include in a story, but in a natural way, growing up on a farm, livestock was very integral to my, my bringing up. But the other piece, and that was really is foundational to every single thing I do is my faith. And it's very important to me to have the Christian foundation and everything that I do say, I want to go through that filter. And in the Bible, there's a lot of imagery around sheep. And because I raise sheep, those passages always meant a lot to me. Because it's it's not exactly a compliment when we're referred to as sheep in the Bible, <laughs> because sheep aren't always the smartest creature, <laughs> but it really did teach me a lot. So I wanted yeah. to bring that shepherd imagery into the book 
And um, I actually modeled the characters in the book after my family a little bit, different names and everything, but bringing that shepherd, bringing that sheep and really that message through it all for children. So kind of a long answer, but that, that is why that book and how that book came to be. That's awesome. That's a wonderful, it's a wonderful book. And I look forward to anything else that you, you put pen to paper on. Thank you. I, I don't know if it'll happen, but I appreciate that. I hope so. Oh, we look, we look forward to more, whether they be chapter books or kids books. Yep. Cause uh, I know that when I was young, uh, reading was more than just, Oh, I'm going to do something for school. I, I liked reading. Uh, and like you said, reading can be very formative. It can, uh, convey a lot of, uh, I think worldview, even though it may be overlooked like, Oh, well, we're going to read, you know, hungry, hungry caterpillar. Uh, but if you read enough as a child, it can be very formative. It can, uh, shape a lot, especially when it has good values, especially when it has uh, strong principles. Those are things you can carry with you. Yeah. Uh, and I think that those are very important to have available because, I mean, Lord knows there's a, a million kids books out there that are just, you know, hey, here's a dog, see dog run, <laughs> dog ran, the end, have a great day. Uh, but the more value added books uh, and the more value added you can get into a child's life, I think the better to set them up for success, uh, which kind of ties into uh, your advocacy. You mentioned that every, you know, every contender had their own cause. Uh, and I think it's very important for someone to find their cause. I I want to say it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, "If you don't, uh, if you, if you're not willing to die for something, like you're not you're you're not living, or something along that lines." I'm paraphrasing, but it's important for people to find their cause. And your cause seems to have have come out or come to fruition in kids need to read. Uh, so I'm a little bit of a stranger to it. So could you explain for me uh, and our our listeners what is kids need to read? Yes. So like I said, in the Miss America organization, every single girl has what we call our social impact initiative. And mine I call literacy for life, which has a lot of different facets. But the primary effort that I spend my time on is kids need to read. Kids need to read is actually a national nonprofit, but based here in Mesa, Arizona. And it's been around for about 14 years now. And the impact that that organization has is unmatched. When I knew I wanted to do literacy, because for me growing up, I loved reading like you as well, and it can teach you so much. And I was able to read to preschoolers back in Indiana when I was actually just nine, but that kind of started my love of getting other people to love reading. And I loved reading with my little brother to try to get him to love reading. So I, I knew I had that base of wanting to impact other people through books and through literacy. But then if you look at the stats behind literacy, it's, it's insane. If 1% increase in literacy worldwide would mean a $240 billion increase in the global economy. And if you're looking at 66% of youth in poverty don't have access to a single book at home, there is a lot of stats behind that. And that affects graduation rates from high school, which then affects their jobs, which then affects their children. And it's a perpetual cycle. So literacy and bringing it to kids who need it the most actually has so much more residual effects for them, for their family and their community beyond just you gave one book. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I wanted to do that, right? I'm very passionate about that. And I, I found kids need to read in a Google search actually. And I emailed them. It's like, do you have volunteer opportunities? And Jessica Payne, the executive director there, she got back to me right away. 
and said, yeah, do you want to come to the, like the warehouse, like the next day or something? So I did. Um, and as they say, the rest is history, but what kids need to read does is they specifically look for kids in low income schools or areas. So we're serving schools, but we're serving libraries. We're serving any place that needs it. Um, we've even done domestic shelters um, where kids wouldn't have access to books. And last year, so they do a fiscal year. So it would be fiscal year it was April of 2020 to March of 2021. Um, they served around 87,000 kids and it was a million dollars worth of books wow. donated across the country. We hit 45 states last year. We're hoping to hit all 50 this year, even though we've been in all 50 in the 14 year time span, we want to hit 14 or all 50 in one year. Where is help needed the most? Unsurprisingly, we always are looking for donations being a nonprofit. But what was interesting to me when I was first learning about kids need to read is the admin costs. So to ship a box of books that are about 50 pounds, which is where we have to keep it right under 50 for, for normal shipping, it's about $30. Mm. So when we're shipping to a school in Minnesota or wherever we're shipping, we like to give about three boxes to each school, just given that's normally enough to give a good number. And that means that's $90 just to do that one. And a lot of the grants or a lot of the funding or donations are stipulated to only going to buy books, which is amazing. And don't get me wrong, like we love our book donations, but because of a lot of those stipulations, or even maybe it's going towards the page coach specifically, the admin costs of shipping can get to be actually the hardest because we want, we have books, we have a warehouse and it's getting them out and getting them into the communities that need them the most can actually be the most challenging. Where can people go to donate towards, you know, not only admin costs, but to everything, but because that's the biggest need, where can we go to donate to kids need to read.org is the, the primary spot where you're going to find all of our information. Um, it's, it's a super informative website and you can donate through there. Uh, but there's also options. Amazon smiles has this system basically where your purchases can benefit a charity of your choice. And we are set up as one of those charities on Amazon. So um, there's always the opportunity to support us via your Amazon purchases as well. Nice. I know a lot of people have Amazon. Yeah. A lot of people have Amazon <laughs> Prime. If, if you guys are listening, it's super easy. Uh, I use it for another charity right now. So it's super easy. Just go in there, set it up. Uh, and you're going to be like, oh, I have to get that through Amazon. And then that money automatically goes to it. You don't have to do all these extra steps. Um, if you've not done it, I encourage you to do so. It's super easy. You'll be amazed how quickly actually you might be amazed how much you spend on amazon <laughs> but you, you'll be amazed how quickly you can give a lot to the charity of your choice uh even without thinking about it so if you have not done that i encourage you to do so thank you yeah now we hear you're a huge fan of the movie white christmas yes i grew up loving well not even grew up i still love all <laughs> christmas movies hallmark channel yeah i watch more tv around christmas than any other time but the classic of White Christmas, the songs in White Christmas, the outfits in White Christmas, nothing else can beat it. I definitely watch it at least once every season, but <laughs> we're being honest, definitely more than once. Well, we have a new segment on the show called What's That Moment, where we ask our guests 
uh, semi-obscure questions about their favorite show or movie. So would you be interested in answering some questions about White Christmas? Okay, I can't promise I'll do that well, but absolutely. <laughs> All righty, we'll give it a shot. The first question uh, is, what year did the movie get released in the U.S.? Uh, it's in the 50s. Yes. I think 1950. I'm going to say 7, 8, or 9 is what I'm thinking. I'm going to go with 59. Very close, <laughs> and I'll give it to you because you said the 50s. I mean, that's yeah, very that's obscure. It's 54, but oh, you, okay. you got yeah, it because it you, you got the right decade, so you're good. <laughs> it's like, it's in the 50s. That's... <laughs> That's that's better than a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. All right, question number two. Who did Bing Crosby play in the movie? He played Bob. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What is two the name? <laughs> What's the name of the club where Bob and Phil see Betty and Judy for the first time? It's in Florida. Yes. Flamingo? No. No? Okay. It's definitely in Florida, and they definitely escape through the window. <laughs> we'll, we'll give it to you because of the the location and the actual, you know, description of the scene. <laughs> I think that beats the name of the club, Novellos. Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Last question: Who was the busybody housekeeper that worked for General Waverly? Yes. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna get this one. No, I know this one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I love that it's not even just housing, it's a busybody housekeeper. Yeah, the way they describe her. I feel like that's well, a really that's a really she, good character archetype in those older movies. She has the line that she's the president of New England's chapter of Busybodies <laughs> Anonymous. There you go. Um oh my goodness. I don't know if I could tell you um the um tell you the name. It starts with an E. Is it, it's not Eleanor, is it? No. No, it's. I don't think I'm gonna get it. Emma. Emma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense now. Ah, oh, that one's annoying. All the others, I'm like, okay, I was close. That like, one. That's I it. We're got. watching it tonight. Right. Yeah, I go watch it right now. Right. I'm like, okay. Well, thank you, Tiffany, for playing that with us. We really appreciate it, and thanks for taking the time. To sit yeah. and talk with us about not only, you know, your experience with the Miss America organization, but this the critical work you're doing with Kids Need to Read and Literacy for Life. Is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Well, I want to thank you both for having me. It's really been um, a fun opportunity to get to share, but also really important. I, I love sharing the message of not only literacy, but also of Kids Need to Read and really the impact that uh, the organization can have. So like I said, kidsneedtoread.org has all the information. Um, I also have a lot of information about literacy on my website, literacyforlife.us. Um, and then social media wise, Kids Need to Read has Instagrams and has really good presence there and updates, as well as I have a Literacy for Life um, Instagram as well. So both of those places, I think, have a lot of resources that I love sharing. And it means a lot to me when people um, interact and follow those. But um, thank you guys so much for for doing this. I, it's a really great uh, podcast and definitely has a lot of good messages on these. Awesome. 
Thanks Thank so you. much. Thanks for taking the time. Once again, we'll link those uh, social media links below as well as the website and make it easy for you to give from Amazon by linking that below as well. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't done so already, why don't you check out Olivia's Lamb? We'll link that below as well because it's a phenomenal book um, that has such a great message.